One year earlier, September 10, 2010, Gulu, northern Uganda. The hyena had been prowling around the camp for days. Despite the fact that the animal was keeping a respectful distance from the huts and the improvised tents, nothing could chase it away, neither the children throwing stones nor the occasional warning shots of the blue helmet soldiers. For some reason, the hyena had been separated or abandoned by its pack. It did not look hurt. It was neither limping nor showing any wounds that could have been the result of a fight with a lion. But the animal was alone, emaciated, and dangerous. So far, it had not attacked anyone. It almost appeared as if it had only come to starve to death, like anyone else who was living here. The Acholi people in the camp did not seem particularly frightened by the animal and called her respectfully Mama Mpisi, Mama Hyena. After all, since the arrival of the hyena, there had not been any further assaults by the LRA. This was why some of the older Acholi people thought of her as the camp's guardian spirit. At night they could hear her horse bark, and during the day they watched her trudge through the dust and the dreariness along the outskirts of the camp. Mama and Pisi never crossed the wide street that divided the camp into two sections, leading in one direction to Gulu and in the other direction to certain death. A mysterious animal, this hyena constantly on the search for something, or someone. From the spot where Maria was sitting right now, she could see that Mama Mpisi was lying down in the shadow of a withered umbrella thorn acacia. For a brief moment, she thought that the hyena was staring at her, as if she had a message for Maria that she had to deliver in person as soon as the chance presented itself. Maria turned around and looked back at twelve-year-old Joan. You don't have to be scared. Everything will be fine. And what if they don't want me anymore? I wouldn't want myself either. God is with you, Joan. God will give you your family back. Maria said that, but she was not sure whether it was really true, whether Joan's family would really take her back. For Joan had killed. She had killed many people. Some of them she had slaughtered in the most horrific ways. Four years earlier, troops of the Lord's Resistance Army had attacked Joan's village. They had dragged Joan's parents out of the hut, and then they had forced the eight-year-old girl to kill her parents. But today, no one cared about the despair and the anguish that Joan had suffered. Today, no one cared that Joan had spent the following four years being raped by LRA rebels. No one cared about the living hell that she had endured, in constant fear of her life, because the fact was, she had killed her parents. The fact was... She had served in the LRA for four years. Under the influence of drugs, the so-called gun juice, she had participated in regular raids on villages and refugee camps, killing dozens of people in a state of frenzy. Sometimes just for a pair of rubber boots or for a t-shirt. But it was also a fact that Joan had never lost her faith. Every night she had prayed to God and begged Him for forgiveness, until God had shown mercy and made it possible for her to flee. God, John was convinced of that, had shown her the way to the camp for traumatized child soldiers. God had led her to Maria, who was now bringing her back to her family, or to what was left of her family. For more than twenty years, Joseph Coney had been bombarding the northern part of Uganda with inconceivable terror, largely executed by children's soldiers on gun juice. In order to protect the Acholi people from this rebel militia, which was known for being the most violent in all of Africa, the Ugandan government had resettled two million people in gigantic refugee camps. Unfortunately, though, life in these camps threatened the Acholi people even more than the LRA terror. Without water, food, and medical supplies, away from their ancestral farmlands and only provided with minimal support by the international aid organizations, they were simply perishing there.
unless the LRA got there first and slaughtered them. For Maria, Satan had a face, the face of Joseph Coney. So she thanked God even more for having made it possible for Joan to flee from Coney's hell and to be willing to face her family again. This time, however, God's help would not be enough. A reconciliation ceremony was needed. Amato Oput. Maria took the hand of the trembling girl and led her to a squat clay hut, which would be washed away by the next rain like all the others before. Joan's grandparents were waiting in front of the hut with one of her uncles, his sons, and an old female shaman by the name of Nafuna who was preparing the ceremony. At first Joan's family had refused to take her back. They were afraid of Joan. But then Maria, the Catholic nun, had suggested a mato oput.